Uh, it says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his, listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, uh, brought all of his out, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for this day, and thank you for this chance to come into your house and to uh, just get to know you, Father. And Father, this morning that we're praying that we would experience freedom in you, that we would begin to understand what exactly is holding us captive and, and what exactly was paid in order for us to receive this freedom. But beyond that, we pray that we would be able to experience this freedom in a real way. And as we walk out of these doors, we pray that the gate that you're talking about in this scripture would be the gate that we step through. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're really pumped that you joined us this morning, and I'm really excited to be able to continue our series. Um, and to start this out, I'd actually like to share a little bit of my story, a little bit of uh, my upbringing. And so uh, I actually started out, my family uh, started out in California, and uh, my parents decided that they wanted to move to Virginia. We lived a mile away from the beach in California, and then we moved on top of a mountain in Virginia. So a little bit different, right? So we packed our bags and we drove across the United States. Yes, we drove. It took about two weeks. It was terrible. Um, and so we got there and we were not ready for what we got ourselves into. And in fact, when we first moved there, um, all I had was pretty much shorts and tanks. I mean, that's all you need in California, right? And so the first snow, I remember going to school and I had shorts and I had this windbreaker jacket and that's all I had. And my mom ran to JCPenney's and she bought like pretty much any jacket and all the sweats that she could find. And so we, got, we began to get acclimated to Virginia, and we got used to the area, and we started to get used to being, I guess you could say, country. And uh, my parents decided, or my mom decided, that it would be a great idea if we started out getting some chickens, all right? So that's fine. We live on top of a mountain. We live in the woods, chickens, whatever. So my dad and I, we took some time out of our uh, weekend, and we went up to the, the side of the mountain that we were on, right above our house, and uh, we built a chicken coop and a chicken pen, and we started out with two chickens. Now, that sounds great. That should have been the end of the story, right? But for some reason, I feel like my parents have this idea where when they start something, they just got to continue to go, and they don't know when to stop. And so two chickens turned into 12 chickens, turned into 24 chickens, turned into 86 birds. I'm not kidding. 86. We had chickens, doves, pigeons, peacocks, ducks, geese. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I, one of my jobs, one of my chores was to take this utility vehicle that we had and I'd go collect the eggs. And there was one point where we were collecting around three dozen eggs a day. Like, we couldn't give eggs away fast enough. Um, well, anyways, this is a little bit of a side story. Um, There's a picture that was posted online um, that my sister had posted, my sister-in-law had posted, and in college, these guys thought that it would be hilarious if they all made it their profile picture on Facebook. And so I think at Lee University, there were about 50-plus guys that all made this one picture. I think we have a picture. Um, Joseph's going to enjoy this because he was one of those guys. But they all took this picture, and they thought it would be hilarious. It's okay. You can laugh. It's fine. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure that's a bowl cut. We can go ahead and take that down now. Let's go ahead and remove that. It's fine. Um, so one of the things that I found interesting, because I'd do this every single day, I'd come up and I'd get the eggs out of the, the nests, and then I'd go ahead and head out and grab the water containers, fill the water containers, and give them their feed. But every time that I walked in, they'd try to escape. 
Like, it was as if it was their mission. In fact, in 2000, I think they actually made a movie, Chicken Run, and that was the entire premise of the movie was these chickens trying to escape. And so every now and then this would happen, right? The, the bird would get out, and what would I have to do? Well, I'd have to get this darn thing back in. And if you've ever seen Rocky, there's a reason why a boxer trains his quickness by chasing chickens, because these things are fast. I mean, they're, they're running around. And one of the things I always found just odd, out of the ordinary, was they'd escape. They'd get into the freedom that they wanted. But the first thing that they would, would do, it wouldn't be that they'd bolt into the woods. It wasn't that they, they ran off into the freedom that they desired so badly. They'd start circling the pen. And they'd try to get back into the chicken pen that they had just escaped from. It was the strangest thing to me, right? And I didn't know if it was because um, they didn't know what their next meal was going to be. I didn't know if it was because all of their buddies were all still inside the pen. I don't know if they could even think or process that far down the line. But I wonder this morning if some of us would be honest with ourselves and say, you know what, maybe I've never actually stepped out of the pen. Maybe I've never stepped through the gate, the freedom that God intended for me. Or maybe I've just been locked up in this cage and I haven't been able to get out. I wonder if we've thought about freedom and freedom sounds great. And when we come to church and we hear about Christ, freedom sounds awesome. But in reality, inside of us, it kind of terrifies us, the idea of stepping into it. But before we can understand that, we've got to understand what exactly holds us captive, right? I mean, in order to be free, you have to be captive by something, and so in John uh, chapter 8, 34 through 36, it says, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So we read this passage, and I think if we understand correctly that we would all agree that we've all fallen short, we've all sinned, we've all made mistakes, and at that point, what it's done to us is it's separated us from God. We've got a perfect God, a perfect Father, and we've fallen short of that expectation and that standard. And so, as a result, this sin has enslaved us. It's captured us, and we're, to an extent, in captivity. And so, there's got to be something here that gets us to that point that we can actually be with the Father. We can be a, a, a permanent have a permanent place in the family. And I love the fact about, the, the certain fact about Christianity that it's not anything that you have to do to get to this place. It's not anything that is required of you to be a, a member of the family, but rather we have an opportunity just by making a choice. You see, I love the fact that God sent his only son to die on a cross in our place for our sins, and he bore every single sin that we could possibly imagine that we've done. And in the process, he opened the gateway. He opened a path for us to be able to step uh, into the presence of the Father, to have access to him, to be in relationship with him. And maybe this morning, the first choice you've got to make is that choice, is I want to be in relationship with the Father. I want to accept this salvation, this gift of eternal life. And if you want to do that, that Connect card that Pastor Will was talking about has a box. And if that's a decision that you want to make, or maybe you want to make it later on in the service, I'd love to encourage you to check box A, because we'd love to walk you through those steps. But maybe that's not it. Maybe, maybe we've, we've made that decision, and we've, we've stayed in just that position, but there's a little bit more beyond that. And we've never actually stepped into the freedom that Christ intended for us. 
So what is this freedom? What is this entire series focused around? What is this idea that we're talking about? When we think of freedom, we think of the idea to do whatever we want, right? We, we think of uh, the freedom that we have in this incredible country. But the freedom that this is talking about, the freedom that our series is focused around is not that. This freedom is not an avenue to a guilt-free or worry-free life, but rather it's an avenue to true joy and happiness and fulfillment in Christ. This freedom is actually the avenue to find and achieve your purpose and your creation. It's not the avenue to do as you please or live according to your desires, but it's actually the avenue to make decisions and control the, the things that once controlled you. I love this quote by Lecrae. He's a Christian rapper, and he says this. He says, freedom, is, freedom in Christ allows you to control the desires that once controlled you. Freedom in Christ allows you to control the desires that once controlled you. You see, when we gave our lives to Christ, when we give our lives to Christ, there's a battle that wages on inside of us. It's the battle of the, the new nature of Christ and the old nature of our flesh. And so the tension that I want us to wrestle with, the tension that I want us to focus in on today is, have you made that choice? Because you can, you can have access to freedom, but not live in it. Our first point this morning is the cost of freedom was the cross, but the key to freedom is a choice. In the book of Exodus, you'll find a story of a guy named Moses, and many of you know this story, and what you'll find is that he was off in the desert, and he had settled himself down, and God found him there, and he actually spoke to him through a burning bush, and he told Moses, he said, go back to Egypt and set my people free. You see, the Israelites had been under captivity by the Egyptians for over 400 years, and they've been crying out to God to set them free. And so at this time, Moses decided, all right, I'll listen to him. I'll follow. I mean, it took a little bit of negotiating and persuasion, but God finally got him to, to go. And Moses went back, and this is where you'll find the, the ten plagues of Egypt. And Pharaoh's standing at, at the empire and standing there saying, listen, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let him go. But finally, after the ten plagues, his heart begins to shift, and he actually tells Moses and his people, get out of here leave. And so they leave Egypt and they walk out into the desert and they're, they're heading out and they, they run across the Red Sea. And this is a, a pivotal point because at this point, Pharaoh had actually changed his mind and he decided, listen, I'm actually going to go after these guys because this is the key to my empire. They've helped me build what I have right now. And so they got into the chariots and they chased after him. And the Israelites look back. So they've got the Red Sea in front of them. And they look back and the Pharaoh and the chariots are chasing them down. And I want you to see what exactly they say in this. In Exodus 14, 11 through 12, it says, Was it because there, was no, there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? This is the Israelite people looking at Moses saying, What were you thinking? Why did you do this to us? And they go on to say, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. Now, you read that and it's like, what in the world were they thinking? The first time that I read that passage of scripture, I remember thinking, wait a second, God just did all of these incredible things and now you're doubting him? I mean, things got difficult, things got tough, and this, this army was coming at them, but at that same moment, they began to question. And I wonder this morning if 
we've gotten to that point that we've actually even left the city gates. I wonder if, if this access point to freedom has been creative, created, but we've stayed inside the city gates. Or maybe we've actually left the city gates, but through this journey that we've gone through in life, we've actually thought about and said, you know what, maybe it's better if I just turn around. Maybe it's better back there where things aren't unknown. I actually am comfortable back there, and maybe we should just go back. This morning, I, I'd love to go ahead and have a volunteer join me on stage. So do I have anybody in here who would come? Don't worry, I'm not going to throw an axe or threaten to throw an axe like Pastor Joseph. Uh, I just need one volunteer. Anybody, possibly? I'm looking at Gabe, so I'm going to get Gabe. Gabe, come on. I need your help up here, brother. Will you give it up for Gabe really quick? He didn't even volunteer, so we got we to give him a little bit of a round of applause. Gabe, if you could come up here really quick, and if you could go ahead and put this jacket on for me. It's a nice jacket. It's clean, I think. I'm pretty sure. Awesome. Does it fit you? That's pretty good. That's a little bit tight. You got a big fluffy shirt on, though. All right, well, go ahead and step up this way. Now, go ahead and put your arms out like this, all right? So, don't worry. I'm not going to do anything. It's fine. All right, so what I'd love for you to do after I tie this off is, Gabe, can you go ahead and do me a favor really quick and take that jacket off? Well, no, keep your hands in there. <laughs> With your arms inside of there, take the jacket off. Can you take it off? So the reality behind, other than trying to do what he just did, right? The reality behind our faith is that the fact that Christ came and in the process he set us free. And so this thing that's been holding us captive, the sin, the, all of the things that are holding us in terms of our regret and our shame and our guilt are holding us. Now, Gabe, I'd love to invite you to go ahead and keep your arms locked like this. Don't unfold them like you just did a second ago with the rope on. And go ahead and take the jacket off again. Try and take the jacket off. Yep, go ahead. You're kind of athletic. I know you can do better than this. Come on. It's a little bit difficult. So this is the, this is the reality that some of us live in, right? We've been set free from the very captivity that God has given us but we're still living as if we're bound. And the reality that Christ intended for us was to not have to live like this, but to be able to live in the freedom that he created us for. And you can go ahead and take the jacket off now this time, for real. And to be able to walk freely without this thing burdening us. Will you give, us a, give Gabe a hand again? Thank you, Gabe. Even though you uh, managed to get out of the rope without that intended to happen, okay? That's awesome. You see, the reality that we need to understand this morning is that Christ didn't intend us to live bound like this. And so when he actually removed it, some of us have this mentality that, hey, I'm not actually set free. I'm still captive and bound. And what I want us to understand this morning is that there has, there's one determining factor. There's one thing that happens, and there's one thing that's really riding on each and every one of us in regards to stepping into freedom. And it's, it's this. It's making a simple choice. You see, just like I could have opened the pen to the chickens and I could have let them run free, they have one determining factor. They've got to make the choice. Do I run out into the freedom and into the unknown or do I stay in the place that's kept me captive? Our, our second point this morning is the key to freedom is the choice, but the key to the, to, to the choice is trust. I think I've shared this with some of you guys, but I don't think I've shared it with all of you. Um, my wife and I moved up here from Birmingham, Alabama. 
Um, actually, it's funny. Uh, when I graduated from Lee, I prayed that God wouldn't send me to two places, Alaska and Alabama. Praise the Lord, I didn't get sent to Alaska. Um, but uh, I was down there for about five years. Uh, I met my wife at the church that I was serving at, and I worked there for five years as a student pastor. And I absolutely loved it. It was an incredible opportunity, and God did some awesome things. And in December um, of 2017, we felt like God was telling us to step down. And so we uh, announced that we would be stepping down in February. And we had actually come up here just to visit Pastor Joseph because he and Whitney were friends of mine from college. And so we, we got in our car in December of, la of 2017 and we drove up here. And I remember getting out of the car and Megan got out on the other side and she looked at me and the first words that came out of her mouth were, please don't make us move here. You see, at that point, it was 12 degrees up here, and it was absolutely so cold. And so it's crazy, though. We, we got back to Birmingham after this trip, and we just felt like God was telling us to come here. We couldn't explain it. We didn't understand why. There was no plan, but we figured, you know what? We felt like God was telling us, so we're going to trust him in the process. And so we put our house on the market, and uh, we got all of our things together, and in fact, you would think in this story that I'm sharing with you that this would happen very quickly, but it seemed like it took forever. Uh, it took about three or four months for our house to sell. Now, some of you who have sold a house, you're like, that's not that bad. It was bad because we had about three to four showings a day. People would come in. I had a stack of realtor cards this high from people just coming in all the time and telling us that they didn't want the house. Well, the time finally came where we got a buyer, and I was like, sign the dotted line. Let's get this over with, right? And so we came up here, we, we put an offer on the house, and we went back and got all of our stuff together. And this whole time, I've, I'm composed, I'm good, we're trusting God, I'm excited. And we get in the car, and Megan's in front of me, and I'm in this big 26-foot-long truck with all of our stuff packed up. And we start driving, and we leave everything that we've known, all of our friends, Megan's family, she'd lived there her entire life. And we're driving. And it wasn't until then, you see, I'd love to look at you this morning and be like, listen, I'm a pastor, I had it all together, I trusted God this entire time. There was a split moment where I freaked out for a second, right? I'm in, the, in this truck driving behind Megan, and we're about into Na Nashville, and I'm driving thinking, what the heck did I just do? Like, what were you thinking? You, you uprooted yourself from everything that you've known in terms of, of your job. You've, you've uprooted your wife. And we were just eight months, nine months into our marriage at the time. What were you thinking? And, and so we're driving, and I, I'm genuinely freaking out at this time, like having a little bit of a panic attack. Megan didn't know that this was going on. She was probably wondering why I was swerving a little bit. I was freaking out. And so we got up here, and uh, I was thinking to myself, we bought a house, like, I don't have a job, I don't have a plan. Like, God, you better show up somehow because we believed you, we trusted you in this process. And I wanna tell you this morning that when you do that, when you take that step of faith, it's not easy necessarily, but God showed up and provided in ways that I can't explain to you. And in terms of our finances, we, we trusted God and he showed up. In terms of finding a house and selling our old house, we trusted God and he showed up. In terms of finding a job, we trusted God and he showed up. And through this entire process, we've been blown away at the freedom that we've experienced by simply trusting God. And I wonder this morning if we've actually all experienced this or if we've stepped back and been afraid to make that decision or that choice. 
In the book of Matthew 14, chapter 14, we'll find a story in which Peter's in this boat with, his, with the disciples and Jesus is on the shoreline and they're, they're riding across this sea and in the morning they find Jesus walking on water. Kind of odd, right? So Jesus is out there walking on water and they actually ask, is that really you? And Jesus says, yes, come to me. And Peter says, well, if it's you, call out by my name and tell me to come to you. And Jesus tells him to do so. And so Peter steps out of the boat, and this is the story in which you'll find Peter walks on water. It's an incredible story. But I wonder this morning what would have happened if Peter had stayed in the boat. I wonder this morning what would have happened if Peter had simply stayed there, even though Jesus had called him to come out. Because in that moment, you've got to think, I don't know if Peter could have swam or not, but he's literally stepping out into an open body of water. And in the same book, you'll find the story in which Jesus feeds the 5,000. So there's 5,000 people gathered around, and Jesus is performing these healing miracles. And it becomes evening, and the disciples tell Jesus, hey, listen, the people have got to go back. They're hungry. They've got to eat. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? The disciples look at him and say, well, we've got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus looks at him and says, okay, well, well, give them to me. And he blesses them, and in the process of blessing them and handing them out, they're able to feed all of these people and then themselves. But I wonder this morning what would have happened had the disciples not said, hey, we've got five loaves and, and, and two fish. I wonder what would have happened if they had held that back and said, Jesus, I don't know what to tell you. We don't have anything. That miracle probably wouldn't have happened. In the book of Genesis chapter 22, you'll find the story of Abraham and uh, he's had his son Isaac. It's an incredible story, right? And God calls on Abraham and he says, hey, I need you to actually take that son that you've been waiting for for so long. And I need you to go up onto this mountain that I'm going to tell you about. And I need you to sacrifice him. I mean, could you process what that would have been like in Abraham, Abraham's head? And so Abraham listened and he took his son Isaac and they took all of the stones and the, and the, and the wood and they built an altar. And... Abraham took his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, and he lifted his knife, and an angel of the Lord said, stop, don't do that. We, we know that you fear, fear God, and because you obeyed me, because you trusted me, I'm going to bless you beyond measure. It actually tells us in this chapter that the angel of the Lord tells Abraham that he's gonna, they're going to make, the Lord's going to make his disciples number the, the, the stars in the sky and the sand on the shore. But I wonder this morning what would have happened if Abraham decided no. God, my son is too precious to do that. My son is mine, and I'm not, I can't do that. I can't sacrifice him. Pastor Will shared with us, shared with the staff, a, uh, a message from Jensen Franklin. He's the pastor at Free Chapel, and it was this idea of the precious. And I love what he said in this. He said, only when you release what you're holding on to so dearly will you see the precious gifts of God poured out. Only when you release the thing that you're holding on to so dearly will you release the precious gifts of God poured out. You see, this morning I really believe this. I believe that there are some Peters in the room. Some, some Peters in the room that, listen, you're, you're right on the edge of the boat and Jesus has called you but it's kind of scary, right? Jesus has called you and you've taken that first step. You're standing at the edge of the boat, but you've been standing there for the past six months, five years. 
And you're so close to your miracle. You're so close to that freedom that Christ intended for you. But you haven't taken the step. I also believe that there are some disciples in this room this morning. I believe that there's some people in here that, you know, God's got some incredible plans and he wants to use you and he wants to use the things that he's given you and the tools and the resources that he's invested into you. But he can't do it because you're unwilling to actually give him what you have because what you have was intended for you. God, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust you with my finances right now because this is how it's going to make things work at the end of the month. This is how we're going to be able to pay our bills. I don't know if I can trust you with, with the things that we have, the resources and the tools, just because I've got so many other things going on in my life. But I wonder this morning if we said, God, listen, I'm trusting you with what I've got. I wonder what that would look like. I wonder the amount that God could, could multiply it by if we simply trusted him with what we had. And I wonder this morning if we have some Abrahams in the room who you've got something very precious to you. And God's calling you to, to take that precious thing and trust him with it. But you're so petrified and you're so scared of what could happen and you're so, you're so much in fear of what the future holds and the unknown that you say, God, listen, I can't. And in the process, you hold back the blessing that God wants to pour out on your life. You see, the challenge that we have is that we're called to trust God. And in order to accept the freedom and to experience the freedom that God has for us, we have to actually be willing to trust him. But how do you trust him, right? I mean, what does that look like? How, what does it look like to truly trust God? I mean, it's a great thing to talk about. It's a great thing to, to visualize and think about. But what does it actually mean? Our... Next point is the idea that maybe we're intended to get into his presence in order to trust him. You see, the key to trusting God is getting into his presence. The key to trusting God is getting into his presence. The first challenge with this is the idea that we've got to be able to hear him. I want to go back to our verse this morning, chapter, John chapter 10, 3 through 4. And in this passage, it says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. I want to go over this again. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The first thing that I want you to see in this is that there are actions being taken on both, taken on both sides, right? So the gatekeeper opens the gate. He calls them. He leads them out, and then he goes before them. And the two actions taken by the sheep are the fact that, one, they listen to him, and two, they follow. But the question that I have for us in terms of our first challenge regarding this is, are we actually listening to God? And how can we listen to him if we can't hear him? You see, sometimes I wonder if we have so much noise going on in our lives right now, that we can't hear him. It's like being in a stadium and trying to answer a phone. It's like being in the car and having somebody sitting next to you but blaring the music and trying to have a conversation. It's like coming to church and trying to listen to a message but your phone's right next to you and it keeps on going off and you can't help but answer that because it's blinking. 
You see, I wonder this morning if that it's not the fact that God's not talking to us because I can't tell you how many times I've heard this idea, well, I, I haven't heard from God. I can't hear God. He hasn't spoken to me. I wonder if it's not that God's not speaking to you. I wonder if it's that we just simply can't hear him. I wonder if it's just simply that we can't hear him. John 10, 5, the verse go, or the passage goes on in John 10, 5. Said, it says, but they, the sheep, will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Beyond not being able to hear him, I wonder this morning if we're following a different voice. I wonder if we're following a stranger's voice, and because we're following this other voice, God's voice sounds like the stranger. And so this whole time, God's trying to talk to you, but you've got so many other voices, or you've got this one voice that you're listening to, and because of that, you can't actually identify his voice. The first challenge that that we face is actually trying to just shut out the noise of our world. The second thing is, when was the last time that you were able to make time? I know Pastor Ben's talked about the first 15, but when was the last time that you made time to get to know him? A lot of the times uh, when I talk to somebody and I'm like, hey, you want to hang out? One of the first responses that I always get is, well, I'm really busy. You ever get that? You have a lot of friends that you know of that, they're, that they would say, yeah, I'm really busy. I'm sorry. I'm just really busy. And, and I wonder sometimes if we've got so many things in our life that keep us so busy that we don't actually set aside time to get to know him. But if you don't set aside time, if you don't set aside time to get to know him and you don't set aside time to get into his presence and to get to know his heart and his desires and his will for you, then how on earth could you ever expect to trust him? If you aren't intentional with saying, God, I want to get to know you, I want to know your heart, then why are you so surprised when it's so difficult to trust him with the things that you hold so precious to yourself? It's kind of like this, right? If you and I first met and I asked you, hey, can I have your car keys? You'd probably look at me and say, you're crazy. But if we hung out a couple times, you probably still wouldn't give, give me your car keys, but you'd think about it. You, you'd have a split second where you're like, well, maybe. But if you knew me for a couple years and you had spent time getting to know me and you had spent time intentionally getting to know my heart and getting to know that I genuinely care, then maybe in that moment you would be able to say, you know what, I, I, I trust you. Yeah, you can have it. You see, this morning I think that a lot of it is not the fact that we don't want to follow God and we don't want to trust God. It's the fact that we simply don't know him if we're honest. And that sounds kind of harsh, and I don't mean it to sound harsh, but genuinely speaking, how can you intend to, to know God's heart and to know him personally, to know him relationally if you haven't actually spent time? So what does this look like? How do you do this? The first thing is to get into his word. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Get into the word. A lot of the times when when somebody asks me, you know, well, I haven't heard from God, my first response to them was, when was the last time that you sat down and got into the word? Because one of the primary ways that he could speak to you is through his word. The second thing is get into prayer. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. When was the last time that you just sat down in a place in complete silence and let him speak to you? 
When was the last time that you simply shut off all the noise? You didn't turn on worship music, but you actually sat in silence and let him speak. And it seems awkward and it seems strange, but why are we so surprised when we can't hear from God when we have all this noise on around us? The next thing is, is I would say get into worship. Isaiah 12, 5 says, Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known to, in all the earth. Get into worship. The, the Bible tells us where two or more are gathered in his name, he is there. The fourth idea is to get into the church. Matthew 18, 20 says, where two or three, that's what I just said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Get into church and get into it with the intention of not trying to check it off your bucket list, not trying to check it off of your things to do, right? Oh, well, I went to school, I took care of this, I did my job and I went to church. No, come in here with the intention of getting into his presence and getting to know his heart. This morning, we'd love to actually encourage you guys to take some bold steps. And so as I prepare to close, we're going to go into the bold steps, but I'll also close with a story. And I want you to begin to process and think, what is, it the, free, what is the freedom that God's called me to this morning? With that being said, our first bold step is well, you want to, do you, if you want to commit your life to Jesus this morning. Today, I want to, I'm making a decision to follow Jesus and to, to claim his, him as Lord and Savior of my life. The, the next bold step this morning is bold step B, and it's I want to be baptized. Maybe this morning you're saying, you know what, my next step, the thing that God's called me to, to, to begin to release this freedom or step into this freedom is getting baptized. Well, if that's you, we'd love to encourage you to check off bold step B. Bold step C is having completely to do with this. This morning I'm choosing freedom. Maybe this morning you're sitting here saying, listen, that stuff sounds really cool. I'd really enjoy it. And I need to take some kind of step in the process. Uh, maybe it's the first step of saying, listen, I just need to get into his presence so I can get to know him. Maybe it's the second step. I, I need to begin to trust God with, with some of the small things and then some of the big things. Or maybe it's the third step. Maybe it's you've been standing here at the edge and you're ready, but you haven't taken the step. And maybe it's simply checking this off and saying, listen, I'm choosing freedom this morning and I'm gonna step into whatever God calls me to, whatever he's been calling to me to for the past 20, 25 years. Bold step D this morning is, uh, I want more information about the upcoming Cuba mission trip meeting. Um, that's gonna be an awesome trip. You don't wanna miss out on that. Um, it's an incredible uh, trip that some of our members this past year went. Melissa has raved about it and she's so pumped about going back next year. Bold step E is small groups. Uh, as Pastor Will talked about, this is the last week to sign up for small groups, so you don't want to miss this. This is an incredible time uh, just to be able to invest in each other. But beyond that, small groups is a great way to experience freedom as well. You want help stepping through the gate. You want help stepping into freedom. Get some people around you and have them step through it with you. As I close, I wanted to share one last story, and then I'll pray, and our team's going to close us in worship. Uh, I think I shared this with you the last time I was here, um, but I wanted to share with you just a specific portion. You see, when I was first adopted by my parents, before that I was abused and neglected for an extended period of time by a family. And uh, I remember this vividly. Like, I, it's one of those things that's just imprinted in your brains. And I remember um, the first day that my, my parents got me, I uh, ran underneath this kitchen counter. And I sat there, my mom said, for like two hours. 
And for two hours straight, my mom was sitting in the living room in this glass room. And uh, she was sitting on this couch. And I remember sitting underneath this, this countertop and looking at her. And for two hours straight, I remember her saying, come here, come on, it's okay, come here. Two hours, nonstop. I finally got the urge and, and the, the confidence to get out from underneath that countertop and to sit with my mom. But I wonder this morning what would have happened if I had stayed there. I wonder what would have happened if I had stayed under that countertop, or I wonder what would have happened if I had never trusted my parents, if I had never gotten to know them, if I had never gotten into their presence. This morning, I want to encourage you. There's a Father in heaven who's calling you out to step into the freedom that you were designed for. And while freedom can be terrifying and freedom can be scary, it's what God intended for you. So this morning, I'm going to pray. And if you want to take any of those steps and you need prayer, we'll have a prayer team over here um, to our left, or to my right, sorry, your left. And they'd love to partner with you in prayer. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for the gift of freedom and the ability to step into it. Father, I pray that you would give us the encouragement and the boldness to do that, to, to step into this freedom that you designed us for. Father, you tell us in your word that we are sons and daughters and that you have designed us, you've created us, as Pastor Will talked about last week, to step into abundant life. So this morning, I pray that you would allow us to step into the abundant life that you designed us for. Father, allow freedom to flow in this place and allow anybody who's on the verge of taking that next step, of taking that, that choice, that leap of faith, give them the boldness, give them the confidence this morning to do so. Father, we're believing great things are ahead and we're believing that you are moving in this place. Continue to move. We pray this in your name. Amen.